Welcome back to all our listeners. And today, we have a special guest with me right now. And I'm talking about Miss L. Edwards. How are you today? I am very well, thank you. Yes, very well. Can't complain. Can you tell us a little bit more about you? I am L. Edwards. I am in um, a town with too many consonants called Llanelli in South Wales in the UK. Podcaster, I'm an author, and I'm the founder of an online community called where I'll be Yuya, which is the person that God created them to be in intentional, expectant relationship with them. Well, thank you so much. And my question for you is, do you remember when was the first time that you encountered Jesus in your life? Oh, that's a really good question. So I grew up in a Christian family. My mum and dad are both born again Christians. So I, I grew up going to church, went to Sunday school. So I, I can't tell you the one moment where I first encountered God in one sense. What I can tell you is the very first big encounter was when I was 12 or 13 years old. And here we have here we had a staunch Welsh preacher called Morgan Morgan or William Williams. And there was a youth meeting on a Friday night and we were in the upper room in the youth meeting. And he basically preached hellfire and brimstone. And do you know where you're going tonight if you die? Like, oh. So that was my first encounter with the idea of God. I don't believe I met God that day because I don't believe God really wanted to scare me out of hell. However, when I was 12 or 13, I was scared out of hell. Um, and it wasn't really until my mid my mid 20s, really, when I was loved into heaven. So my big um, my big encounter with God through a series of God incidences, I ended up doing a Bible weight loss course. Uh, and the premise of this Bible weight loss course was that God loves you so much. He's interested in everything um, and he loves you. And so for the purposes of weight loss, he, he, the idea was if you're tempted to eat a chocolate bar when you're not hungry, talk to God about it and he'll help you not into temptation. I was like, more importantly for me, it was this idea that God loved me just the way I am. Uh, and it was like night and day. So I was scared out of hell when I was 12 or 13, but then loved into heaven 20s, um, which is a much a much more wonderful experience, I would, would say. And it started me then on a journey to getting to know God and his heart and really hearing for, from him more uh, on a day-by-day -day basis. Wow, thank you so much. So my next question is, what made you decide to accept Christ as your personal savior? Well, when I was 12 or 13, it's because I was scared. I was afraid, in essence, scared. If I died that night, what might happen? So I, I decided that day because I was scared that if I died that night, I would go to hell. So it's not really a terribly motivational answer, really, or a very encouraging answer. What, what was better was in my 20s then being attracted to God's love. So that's a big part of it. When someone says to me, oh, I don't believe in God, I'll say, well, you know, what? who is the God that you don't believe in? Because this idea of God as, as somebody who's out to get you or is big and scary, I don't believe that's how God wants to be known by us. You know, God is love, uh, which is why he sent Jesus. Uh, and so really it was that love piece for me that was the big motivator, if you like. I honestly think that is pretty good answer because, you know, love for Jesus and definitely People should be scared of going to hell because this is only a temporary life we have. You got to make sure you know where you spend your eternity with. And for some people that are listening that are not saved, what advice should you give them? Why should they accept Christ as their savior? I would encourage them to ask God to show them his love. Because actually, 
I I believe that the church as an organisation has kind of got this back to front a little bit. I think we've this idea of every single person knew just how much God loved them, like really loves them, and is interested in all aspects of life and how you know how practical he is, and that he actually wants to talk to you. We wouldn't need to be scaring people out of hell. They, you know, they'd come running to him with open arms. So somebody is listening and they don't yet have that relationship with God, but they're feeling nudged by this conversation. Well, God's already reaching out to you, I would suggest. You know, the fact that, that the fact that you're listening to this podcast, you are on a journey. And so I, you are already on the steps towards being saved. And so I would encourage them, ask God, okay, God, is this you talking to me through this podcast? What are you trying to say to me? Show me your love and and expect him to, to show you because he does he does love every single person. And so, so the fact that somebody would be listening to it and they don't yet know Jesus, that in itself, I would see that as a big divine setup. I would encourage them, ask him and take God at his word. Show me your love and then wait to see how he shows up. He said to see if he shows up, right? I'm just double checking the last part you said. Yes. Yeah. Meaning the in the but in the biggest sense of the word. So like God can show up in lots of different ways, you know, so I can't even want to put an example on it. But say, for example, you know, you say to God, right, God, if you're real, show me that you show me that you're real. Show me that you love me. God can love you through other people. God can love you through the, the sunset. Because one of my favorite things, I call it cloud porn. You know, when the sun is setting and there's clouds in the sky, and you get the oranges and the pinks. I call those love notes. You know, so I imagine God with a big paintbrush sloshing the colors across the sky. So I would say, yes, absolutely. Ask him to show you that he loves you and then see how he shows up. But recognize that this idea of God showing up with his love is bigger than I can possibly like give examples of. But just if some, ultimately, if somebody's here listening to this and they're like searching for God, it's as simple as saying, hey, God, hello. Are you there? You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. And we, we make it difficult and we think he, you know, he's far away. But God's closer than the air that you breathe and he wants to be known by you. So I do believe if somebody asks God to show up and show them his love, he will do it. Uh, we just need to keep our eyes open and go, okay, you know, and if you're not sure, I go, okay, God, was that you? You know, he, he loves conversation. Thank you. And I also have a question. So I know one of the things that you like to talk about, and I would love to hear more about it, is you talk about youer. Did I say that correctly? I want to know what does it mean to be a youer and why is it important? First, definition first, because I've never heard that term. I think I know, but I'm not sure. Can you tell that to our audience? Of course, yeah. Youer is Y-O-U-I-E-R. Um, and it's you in intentional expectant relationships. So what that means is you, the person God created you to be. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that there is a plan and a purpose for your life. Planned in advance, you know, God, good works that you're going to do because of what Jesus has done. There is a plan for your life. But the IER is important, intentional expectant relationship. In, intentional means, you know, seeking God's heart. Like we already said, okay, God, if you're real, show me expectant expecting him to show up and then relationship so my whole life's mission if you like is to help as many people as possible be who they were created to be in that relationship with god you know asking him questions my whole my whole business is led by holy spirit to the point where I'm like okay what are we doing today when i take the dog out for a walk right which way are we going are we going to the pond are we going to the beach and i know to some people it will sound ridiculous but the bible tells us that it sounds ridiculous to some people and that's okay but the more that we can expect God to be interested in doing life with us, 
you know, asking him questions, talking to him about all of the little bits of life. That's what we were made for. We were made to do relationship with him. And when I grew up in the church, this idea of, you know, doing life with God was a bit boring. And I don't believe the life with God is meant to be boring. I believe the life with God is meant to be an adventure. You know, it is it is meant to be fun. God has a sense of humor. Uh, and so the more that you can be who he created you to be, recognize that we're all different. You know, you will be happier and, and have a more fulfilled life. But it also impacts the world around you and it impacts the people that you do life with as well. Thank you. That is um, great. And another question that I have, I don't know, does that answer my question? The one that you just mentioned, how do you feel about normal? Other than that, the normal doesn't really exist. So one of the pieces, so part of my story, so I, when I had, before I was being Yuya, I was, I, I, as a teenager, I wanted to fall in love and get married and have children. And I did fall in love and get married and had children. And I remember this particular time in my life in my mid-20s when my kids were quite little. And I was trying to, I was trying to be normal. I was trying to be the, the, the best, the best wife I could be, the best mum I could be. And I was, I mean, I'm a little bit geeky and a little bit sort of, uh, scattered there I, I you know I am who I am and when I was in my mid-20s I was trying to be very serious and and I was miserable and if I'd have gone to the doctor at the time they would have probably put me on tablets for for depression uh, and so I, I fully maintain that there are a lot of people walking around the world um, with labels whether it's labels they've had from the medical community or ones they've diagnosed themselves over the internet walking around with labels because they're trying to fit into what this idea of normal looks like you know to the point where the education system unfortunately is set up to channel you down one route it can't cope very well because of the pressures it can't cope with people who are a little bit outside of the box well actually outside of the box is brilliant uh, and it, on paper my life is exactly the same now i'm in the same house with the same children they're teenagers now but the same house the same children the same husband as i as i had 10, 15 years ago, but the difference in my life is like night and day. Now, it's well recognized that I, I will forget things very easily because I get distracted. I've got a great memory, but it's just that I go, oh, what's this thing? And all, but, but instead of it being this, I, I guess God has helped me recognize who I am. I think the, most, the biggest reason why I'm against normal is because it leaves people feeling depressed, stuck, anxious, I'm not against medication. There are people who I love who do have medication for mental health um, issues. However, I suspect if everybody could simply be who they're created to be, stop trying to be normal, we would probably alleviate an awful lot of mental health issues. And so that's why normal is a setting on the washing machine and nothing else as far as I'm concerned. You know, what is normal? There's, it's, it's just not, it just doesn't exist in reality. I thought that was really cute when you said that normal is just setting on like a washing machine. I thought that was really cute what you said. Oh, thank you. And yeah, that is true. It's almost like right now, it's not really going back to normal that we want. It's what we want is a reset. And yeah. just like you said, I think in my own opinion, I agree if maybe more people are like us are just happy with with jesus and mm -hmm. just give it all to god that i think life might be a little bit more simple maybe and less complicated and actually something that you said reminded me of another question i want to ask you and my question is what do you think is the difference with your life before christ and after mm -hmm. christ um okay so i'm gonna 
I'm gonna discount the praying the prayer when I was 12 because Jesus really started when I was there, loved into heaven in my 20s. For me, it's like night and day because you know if we take that that point where I was trying to because I, I had prayed the prayer, I'd accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, uh, I'd done all the things the church says you're meant to do. I wasn't in a relationship with God. I wasn't talking to God. He was just, you know, yes, I'd go to church on a Sunday, but I remember week after week going to church and, okay, this is the week when I'm going to pray more, God. This is the week I'm going to read my Bible. And it was all about duty and, like, oh, trying really hard. And that's hard work and quite exhausting. By contrast, stepping into a loving relationship with God, it's much more freeing. You know, if you recognize that actually it's all by grace, you know, there's nothing that you can do that would make God love you any more. There's nothing that you can do that would make God love you any less. You know, it's freeing. It allows, yes, we still make, I still make mistakes. Yes, I still, you know, manage to say the wrong thing and upset people. But it's much quicker and easier to apologize. My next question, how do you step into the story that gets written for your life? Because some people may not know yet, like mm. you and I, know what calling we have which is sharing jesus to others how about Mm. others that don't know it how do what do you think that they need to do so they would know what god wants in their life and how are they going to step in the story that god wants for their life that's a good question you're right i mean ultimately as as believers we're all here to share god's love with the people around us i think where we sometimes get ourselves in a pickle is the specifics of what that looks like Late 2012, early 2013, I went round in circles for a very long time, thing finding. What's my purpose? Why am I here? You know, and if we're not careful, we can spend a long time, weeks, months, years even, get going down the rabbit hole of why am I here? When actually, if we start with, you know, who am I? What are those things that I get excited about? Because I fully maintain, you know, when if we believe that God made you. And if we believe that God knew what he was doing when he made you, and if we believe that God has this written this story for your life, we can assume the things that you're excited about, the things that you're passionate about, the things that light you up are a really good clue towards what is it that God is inviting you to do. So you, I, I know I hide it very well, but you might have gathered by now, I'm a bit of a chatterbox. Uh, and so therefore, getting to do things like this and share and, and, and speak with you is an easy part of me walking out this God story for my life because I I don't I'm, I'm not particularly quiet and I don't have any problem you know sort of giving my opinion and showing up and sharing sharing my story with people so that's a that's a real clue towards what it is that that God has for me however the the piece I want to encourage people with is that actually when I reflect back on my life the different things I've done over the years I can see pieces where I did them because I was sort of following a niggle or a nudge, but I can't say I was doing them directly with God. So I'll give you an example of writing fiction. Back in 2015, I I wrote and published, uh, 2015, 2016, I wrote and published, I think, like five or six books. And if I was to reflect on that, how does that fit in, God? Fast forward to now... I help other people write and publish books. So it's, it's too easy to think, oh, well, that piece doesn't count. When in reality, you know, God is God is big enough and loving enough that we can follow the nudges. And, you know, yes, ideally, we say to God, okay, God, I, I feel like it's inviting me to do this thing. Is this you? And I believe if you ask God questions, he will answer you. And, and, and so that was how, if, if I was starting this journey over again right now, I would absolutely go, okay, God, 
what do you want me to do? What does that look like? But, but more often than not, our experience is that we don't get direct answers. So instead, we have to follow the clues. You know, what are the things that we get excited about? And equally, what are those things that leave you feeling drained and squashed? So like if I have, if I have to do, I don't know, too much paperwork or doing my accounts, I'm, I'm not very strong at doing my accounts. It's one of the jobs that we have to do. But I will one day outsource. Those things that make you feel less alive those are the less of those things you can have in your day-to-day life and the more that you can have those things that that light you up i believe you're gonna little by little you're gonna find yourself walking closer towards that story that god has for you Um, but i think we need to make sure that we don't put too much pressure on ourselves because you haven't got to like if you like oh i need to get this right you know god knows your heart and he loves you and so if you go to him and go i I really want to do this with you and then you you take those steps forward and just trust that if it's not quite within his best for you, you know, he'll show up and, he'll, you know, you can get those nudges and, and those course corrections. So I don't know if that directly answers your question, but that was the pieces that yes. came up as, as I'm sharing. So, yeah, thank you. And my next question is, why is it important to share others to Jesus? You know, like, I think most people think that it is only the pastor's job to do the preaching on a Sunday and you get a preaching on a Sunday or like, People like us would do, you know, we would share Jesus to others. Oh, before I forget, I wish you and I are a little bit closer because I'm sure you and I are going to get along. We'll probably be talking for hours because I can tell you both <laughs> personality. Sure. <laughs> we, both other, we both each other box and we both like to talk especially about Jesus. So, yes, <laughs> what advice can you give to other Christians that might be a little shy or they might not know how to share Jesus to others? Why is it important that they share? I would maintain that there are people in your sphere of influence that only you can reach. So one one of the things that God laid on my heart a, a number of years ago was about okay, sharing his love with people, you know, helping to, to woo as many people into relationship with him as possible. And he said to me, Yes, L, but you don't need to do it on your own. He said, you, me, he said, you, L, you cannot love all 7 billion people into, into relationship with me. You can play together. And so you gave the example of the pastor in church. The pastor in church will not have the opportunity to show up um, at the coffee shop, uh, and, uh, for example, or if there's somebody in an office environment. We, I think it was, um, oh, who was it? Frank St. Francis of Assisi. I don't know if he actually said this, but it's he's, it's attributed to him. Preach the gospel, use words if you must. And I fully maintain the more that people show up, full to the top with his love, walking that out with him, we can trust the ripples from that. So you might not go into your office environment um, and be preaching the gospel with a, with a Bible in your hand, but you might be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. You know, you showing up, doing life, when you're asked, if someone says to you, well, how are you so happy and joyful? You're given opportunities to share where your joy comes from, following those little nudges. That's why it's important that every single person can can be who be with God and, and share their faith when they get those opportunities to do that. But it doesn't have to be in a scary, heavy kind of way. So my dad is a microbiologist. He works in a lab um, in, in one of the local towns it's well known that he's a man who prays. So when he starts his office meetings, if there's something particularly um, stressful happening, he says, right, can we pray? You know, so the people in his office, they know that he prays. When the, when the conflict happened between uh, Ukraine and Russia, 
one of his staff members is Ukrainian and he he gathered the troops and and and, and not gathered the troops as the actual fighting troops gather the troops in the office you know how can we help this lady let's pray but what can we do in a practical way as well um, William Paul Young, who wrote The Shack, he said, trust the ripples. What I think he means by that is, is actually, we're not necessarily going to see all of the all of the weight links together. You know, you're not going to see, like, literally this morning when I was out walking the dog, there's a lady uh, who go in a wheelchair who I pass probably two or three times a week. I always say good morning to her. She doesn't know I'm a Christian yet. Today, her wheelchair was stuck. So I, of course, stopped and helped her. We managed to get her out and she's unstuck. I believe that's part of that's a ripple that's you know it's a it's a way of showing up and and being love even if we're not standing there with a the bible and saying john 316 all of it makes a difference and that can't happen if people are afraid to be to to be god's light in in their work environment for example one of the biggest lies from the devil is that it's only the preacher or it's only the evangelist or it's only such and such a person. It's only the missionaries who need to go out there and and and, and, and love on people. That's absolute nonsense. It's, it's well documented that many people come to Jesus because of relationships with friends or family members. They might hear the gospel preached by somebody on a street corner, but they come into relationship with Jesus because of conversations with their friends. And so you can be that friend. Uh, and uh, who, who has that opportunity to show love to those people. Thank you. Yes, that's a great advice. That is true. It should be everybody's responsibility, especially as Christians, you know, because if we really love our family and our friends and even the people that we, we meet, like you said, they should we should show them the way to Jesus. And also that way they don't go to hell. Like, like you said, like mm. before, you know, I don't want to go to hell. People sometimes I think, they might just think about this temporary life but we also mm -hmm. have to think about where we're gonna go when this life is over and mm -hmm. as you said like you know pastors ministry evangelists they cannot go and meet the people that you know and mm -hmm. sometimes even if you don't say it like you said our life is the bible it's what yeah. they see you cannot say mm -hmm. something and do the other way and yes thank you and mm -hmm. my next question for you is why are you so passionate about what you describe also as a radical encounters with God's love? Because of all the reasons we've already talked about. Like, I mean, I I want to backtrack slightly to the conversation about hell. So I I take Jesus at his word. So I, I forget where in the Gospels he said it, but he said that when I am lifted up, talking about when he died on the cross, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Some translations of that of that word, he talks about dragging all people to his to himself. We also, I think it's one or two Peter, where it talks about that God, God doesn't want to lose anybody. God wants everybody to be loved into relationship with him. So I I have the probably slightly untraditional opinion that ultimately I believe that God's going to get his way. Whether it's in this life or in the life to come, I believe that everybody will be loved into relationship with God. Um, and so I'm not convinced that hell looks like what it's been painted as, which is why I don't, for me personally, I hell doesn't even come into conversations with people when I'm talking about God's love. Because mm -hmm. actually, if they have a real encounter with how loved by God they are, 
hell isn't even an issue. It, it would be like, I don't know, if one of my children was, if we're going to go on holiday um, and we're going to have a really fun time, they're not afraid that I'm going to leave them in the house and leave them behind because they know I love them. And we're, you know, we're talking about going on a holiday and all the, you know, I, I, I use that as a silly example. But actually, I, I suspect we we get too focused on where we don't want people to go. And actually, if we were to focus on showing people God's love, the alternative it wouldn't even be part of the equation. Uh, and so but the reason for me while I'm why I'm passionate about it is because of having had that experience myself. You know, I, yes, I was scared out of hell when I was in when I was 12 or 13. But the difference in it, it, let's be transparent, being scared out of hell at 12 or 13 did not change me as a person. It did not transform my life. It did not mean I had a relationship with God. It wasn't until I actually encountered God's love and was being told, God loves you just the way you are. You know, you don't have to try and measure up. Having that encounter with God's love transformed my life. It changed me. If you'd have known me when I was 20, 21, 22, you probably wouldn't have recognized me. Um, I mean, yes, I looked the same, but I was a very different character as opposed to now. And so I think that's that's why the love piece is so important. Yes, God is holy. Yes, God is mighty. Yes, God is powerful. And he's also closer than the air that you breathe. He's all powerful in his love for you. You know, that that love piece is crucial. There's no other characteristic, I don't think, in the Bible that we're told God is. You know, God is love. And we're told that Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. So every time Jesus shows up and does something incredible, healing the sick, raising the dead, that's God. That's God showing how much he loved people. So that's why I'm passionate about it is because it's it's transforming and makes a difference in ways that anything else can't. Thank you so much. And and I got one more question because before I ask something about you is I want to know what is the three word hack that <laughs> you mentioned about turning any day around. What is that three word hack that you mentioned? Uh, the, sil the silver lining spotter. Okay, this is good. Funnily enough, as, as happy God incidents would have it, I actually just taught this three word, word hack to a, to a room full of year, year eight pupils. I was doing a workshop with some 12 and 13 year olds. So I'm actually getting to tell this three word hack twice today. So the three words, so this, this is for any day with the caveat, this isn't for the big tragic days. Like I'm, this is just for the daily, the, the daily niggles. So the, the example I often give, because it actually happened to me when I was recording a podcast episode um, about three years ago, is imagine the dog walks into the room and he's sick on the carpet. Um, and fair warning for anybody listening, if you're eating your dinner, stop listening for a moment come back when you finish eating. But imagine the dog walks in and the dog is sick on the carpet. Oh no, the dog is sick on the carpet. That's really annoying because now I've got to clean it up. The three words are, but at least. So you, the thing happens that's annoying or irritating. Oh, that thing has happened. You feel your feelings and then you say, but at least, and then you pause. And your mind, the way that God has created your mind, your mind will want to fill in the blanks. So the dog has just walked in. He's sick on the carpet. Oh, that's really annoying. But at least... It was only foamy. There was no chunks in it. It'll be nice and easy to clean up. That's my silly, gross example. But you can actually use this for anything. And the reason it works is because of the way that your mind is created. 
sometimes it will take practice. I mean, one of the pieces which we're learning more about is neuroplasticity, actually how pliable our minds are. Our minds are not fixed. So somebody's listening and they're like, oh, that wouldn't work for me because I'm just a negative person. Nonsense. You weren't born a negative person. It's just that those are the pathways that have been laid down in your mind. You can create new pathways. Just how when we walk out in nature, there might be a patch of grass. If people keep walking over the same patch of grass, they'll create a new pathway. And the same is true for your mind as well. So the more that you practice the three word hack, the easier it becomes, because then your mind will help you and, and filter in more and more examples. So the three word hack, but at least. I like that. But at least that's a good way to think about it. No matter what it is. But at least, you know, my my daughter, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or but at least this thing happened or absolutely. And it does get easier practice. And like I say, I always give the caveat. It's not for like the little dog who was sick on the carpet died. He actually did die in, in January 2021. So the day that he died, I did not use the three word hack to go. Oh, no, Charlie's died. But at least because it was too soon. You know, when we're dealing with raw grief, um, when we're dealing with death, when we're dealing with loss, like really hard stuff, yes, there will be silver linings from that, but it is not the time. You don't use a three-word hack in those situations because you need time to, to get through it. The, the three-word hack really is for those times when, you know, it, the annoyances of life, you know, the your child spills your coffee or not on themselves, obviously, like spills it somewhere, <laughs> you know, the, the, the annoying realities of day to day life. That's what it works the best for. And it does get easier with practice. Thank you so much. I love that that three letter words hack that you told us. And my last one is more like for our audience to know more about you. Also, the website where they can check check it out and i'm also going to put it in our description page but i would want them to hear it while they're listening thank you i actually my book is called i've got several books the book that i would love called yuia um it's the same name as the website so it's y-o-u-i-e-r the reason why the, the yuia book is the first book i actually wrote with holy spirit um, and so it really is for anybody who is new to the idea of of hearing god for themselves it helps you the, fir the first part of the book um, is about exploring intentional expectant relationship. What does that really mean? And then the second half of the book is called the sh is the should shover challenge. Uh, and you have 21 days and lots of questions that you can explore with God and lots of journaling. Um, I believe it's linked on my website, which is uia.com. But it's also on Amazon. If you go on Amazon, just search L Edwards Uia, you'll probably find it. I have a little secret announcement for you. This I haven't told anybody else this. The, I have another little book called Sam Says um, because. Ooh. My, it's I, I do a little daily a daily Holy Spirit love note and Sam and this is probably too long a story to tell you for, for now but last year or the year before in essence Sam is the name that Holy Spirit said I could call him Sam is short for Samuel the Hebrew for Samuel Sam uh, is, is Shem and L so it either means God hears or the name of God so these the book called Sam says is a year-long collection of all of the little love notes um, from Holy Spirit. The Kindle version is already out. I'm actually, the paperback file is being prepared as we speak. So maybe by the time this episode goes live, um, you might find that Sam says that the book is available. Uh, and that's really good because you get like little love notes from God reminding you of, you know, how loved you are and, and all those sort of good things. So That sounds so great. Can't wait to read it. And those are all in your website, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's um on the website, there's a tab for books. So all of the books are, are on the website. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for your time, and I appreciate it. And I had so much fun talking to you today, too. And I hope that you have a good and blessed day. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been my absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, me too. And to all our audience, I hope you have been blessed like I have been listening to a wonderful conversation I have with a new friend of mine, Miss L. And like what we said, if you haven't accepted Jesus, that we pray that through her words and her testimony that you'll make that decision. And always remember, come to Jesus daily. Bye for now and have a nice day. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. Still the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from day to life. Cause Christ rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Oh, wow.